0: You're listening. No, you're listening to the Buns.com podcast network. <laughs> buns, buns, buns. Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It. The show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed. The show where you can come to discover the best things you never knew existed. And they show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you got to love it. My name is Koji. I am a part-time football tosser and full-time secret millionaire. And with me, as always, is my good friend and, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to say here city prize award winner what is it? is that what it's called correct yeah, yeah. second year in a row back to back like the blue jays yeah andrew patterson
1: you know i was playing that drake song i don't know. back to back oh, okay no you yeah. know after the beef with meek mill i released that song no all right uh yeah this is a special
0: episode this week
1: no black people in that movie which one the room well yeah
0: I mean, is that a surprise? It, it was
1: made in like Which the only nin- thought about it right now. In when
0: the nineties, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, when when like people didn't <laughs> when care people about black people weren't in movies, <laughs> when people didn't care about like racial diversity and shit.
1: Uh, like Friends was like the biggest did, show on TV. It's just interesting that he. Yeah, no, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to start shit. I was just when you were like trying to think of something potentially from the films we watched this week. You know, and I was like, yeah. you're not unless I'm Hannibal Verses character from yeah disaster artist so equipment salesperson andrew Patterson. this is our all the room Our all tommy wizzo yeah episode yeah
0: yeah so the hidden gem this week uh i don't know what we said in in the last episode but i mean we totally flipped it because we just found out that the disaster artist was released so the hidden gem this week is the movie The Disaster Artist, and I I feel like most people know what it is. Yeah. But I feel qualified calling it a hidden gem, seeing as how is it on, it is only playing in a single theater. Yeah, in it's all of like Toronto.
1: A, a film festival circuit film too. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Plus, it's it, an opening weekend, right? Right. And there was like it wasn't a sold out show. No, no. This is kind of like the it, most meta episode we've ever done.
0: Yeah. It's a cult movie about cult about the making of a cult movie. Yeah.
1: But interestingly, the reason that I say it's the most meta episode that we've done is that I feel very, I've been having a hard time putting together my thoughts on what to say about both of these, because Mm -hmm. it also kind of fits with with the theme of what our show is about, which is loving something that is perceived to be terrible really hits it on a lot of levels too because i mean i guess we'll talk about the hidden gem first like we always do so i'm sure everybody at this point is familiar with the room do we need to we probably need to summarize it how you can
0: even summarize it i mean This is a summary that I will give it. It is widely regarded as one of the worst films ever made. I dispute that, by the way, but Mm it is widely regarded as one of the worst films ever made and the epitome of so bad, it's good. In fact, the hidden gem that we're going to talk about in a second, I mean, it is not only a testament to the fact that it's so bad, it's good, but, you know very much hits that point home especially at the end of the movie that mm-hmm. it is such a bad movie that people love it mm-hmm.
1: right even the beginning right the intro, yeah, which, the is, intro which is which was amazing series of interviews with actors that we know and love yeah i think like i don't know i don't even like know where to start there's fucking so much to unpack well so that so the, hold r- on should we start
0: with the you gotta love it this week yeah i feel like make that more makes more sense because of the way that
1: this whole thing plays out so we'll sure. start with the room um, as you gotta love it. So the room is a movie. If you somehow have never heard of it or don't know about it, or you have heard of it and you just don't know what what it's all about, is a R- movie pr- written, directed, written, produced. produced, produced, lead starring um, this guy named Tommy Tommy Wazo. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, but um, and it's just kind of like a passion project. It's sort of like a guy who. Similar to a recent episode we did on... Um, fucking what's dude's name? Fateful Findings guy. Oh, um, Neil Breen. Neil Breen. Sort of like a independently wealthy guy who completely funded his own film. Because but unlike Neil else, Breen, yeah. this is
0: like a $6 million movie. Yeah.
1: And nobody... It's sort of like he felt maybe like... He just felt like an outsider. I think clearly. Well, okay... In a lot of ways, and this is so bizarre because I think we're
0: we're gonna bleed into some of the other movie, but yeah, it's also created. It, it was it's almost like a Goodwill Hunting story mm-hmm. if it had gone a totally different way because it, the second lead in the room is Tommy Wiseau's like one of his best friends mm-hmm. essentially, and they kind of make this movie together. He, it's it's intimated in the in the in the his other story. film, yeah. that. You know, Tommy all part of the reason he made this movie was to, like, help his friend. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but let's talk about the movie itself. I Here's one thing that I loved about it right off the bat. Because it is very much, you know, like... You know, Neil Breen, I think, is a pretty good comparison, although uh, clearly the budget is, is vastly different. I mean, you can even just tell by watching the movie. Even yeah. though it seems like a low-budget film, you can tell that a lot more went
1: into this movie than went into Faithful yeah. Findings. Um. And there's some basic understanding of like clearly he employed other staff, right? Before even see we before we even talk about the hidden gem because there's like an eye for cinematography to some degree. You know what I mean? Like you, I I feel like this this is an example of a movie that just got way too big. You know the fact it's this cult thing. People go to midnight screenings of it like the world over. Like yeah, you know we've just I guess we've just seen some. Real shit that doesn't fall into this category, right? You know what I mean. Well, it's so just like watching like, it, I was like, "Oh, like this is whatever."
0: So the, the difference, I think, with this movie, and, well, there's two main things I'll say, yeah. and I think one of the reasons why it's so successful as as a midnight screening film is because the reactions and sort of dialogue between people seems so unrealistic mm-hmm. that it's almost impossible that while making this movie, people weren't like. What is going on? You know, like when he walks yeah. in that flower shop and he's like, yeah. "Oh hey," and then immediately pulls his glasses down and the, and she's like, "Didn't oh, recognize didn't you." didn't recognize you. You're my favorite customer. You know, but and like it happens so, so quickly. He's like okay, thank you. Gotta Bye. go. Hey dog. Hey doggy. And they just leave. Patch the dog. Like the I mean, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're not doing it justice. Watch that scene on YouTube. You can like search probably the room flower shop or something, and you'll get that scene. And it's just so bizarre that I feel like and there's so many of those in this film yeah. that people are
1: just like, this is hilarious. I didn't do it. Right? Like I did I not. Didn't, I didn't do it. It's not true. Yeah, I didn't hit her. I did not. Oh, hi Mark. Yeah. All, all that
0: shit Nobody is just loves it. seems so unworldly that it's like almost impossible that somebody did that on purpose without a sense of irony, but yeah. they clearly did. And I think that's why it's so successful as a midnight screening. And from the, from that level, mm-hmm. I, I do, you know, I can love those things about it because I do like so bad they're <laughs> good. But the, the thing that I really like about this movie is you can tell even how far off base it is from what it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. that a lot of love was put into this film it wasn't just like you know sometimes you're watching like sharknado is a bad example because it's meant to be bad Mm -hmm. but you're watching some of these movies that like uh fat guy goes nutsoid as an example it doesn't look like somebody poured passion into that movie Mm -hmm. it's just like a bunch of people goofing around Mm -hmm. you know oh you weren't there when we watched that oh you would have hated that man yeah um i'm trying to think of another example Oh, okay. I know what you mean, though. Like, my boss's daughter. Yeah. It does not seem like, it, you know, like, sometimes you eat an ugly meal, but it tastes really good, and you can tell, like, somebody slaved over it, even mm-hmm. though it, like, looks like shit, but it still tastes good. Mm-hmm. You know? This is this is that kind of thing where it's, like, you know, didn't come out exactly as expected, but you can tell that, like, especially Tommy Wiseau mm-hmm. is, like, his heart is in it. Yeah. You know? And I really appreciated that about it, and I think that's why it lives on. Because it's
1: endearing. Yeah which is going to be something we come back to revisit because watching both these movies really made me think a lot about why I don't don't necessarily like this stuff in the first place. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of helped me help clarify in my mind why it makes me uncomfortable and why I don't really like it. Like yeah. watching movies that are the idea of movies that are so bad they're good. But I think like fuck man, I don't know. Like it has a lot of similarities I felt to fateful findings also because uh, it doesn't make it, any
0: sense.
1: No, but <laughs> there's all ton- these storylines that don't, but the general, thru- Yeah. But the general thrust of it is the same. It's clearly a guy who feels like the, the creator of this film. I think there's like some very heartfelt, you know, whether right or wrong, completely aside, somebody who feels like an outsider. Like I said, somebody who feels hard done by or feels betrayed, which is a word that comes up very frequently in, in, both films. Yeah. But, uh, and you know, we don't know anything about him. Another thing we'll revisit. Nobody really knows anything about him. So yeah. we don't know about his history, but it's clear when you watch this movie that it's very personal, you know, like, right. You know, like no matter how bad you think this is, which is again, one of the things where when I was watching it, I was like, it kind of bothers me because like people are like, Oh, it's terrible. But I find it hard to dismiss it as like, Oh, this plot is so ridiculous. Like, to me, it's still, there's still very real things there that are just being. It's almost like we're so used to actors acting things in an elevated or a subdued way. One way or another, it's different than real life, right? right? That's what it's all about. That, like, when we see something that doesn't fit what we're used to, it's like it almost muddles the message of what's going on. But, like, watching that movie, you're like, you know, the overall movie is just about a guy who feels fucked over well is fucked over by like everybody's kind of treating him poorly you know what i mean yeah and then he, he kills himself like that's it's oh, not you're talking gonna, about the movie now i'm talking about the room yeah, yeah, the, yeah. well no I, this whole time like both it's kind of hard to separate them like you said but like that's not inherently funny you know what i mean right but because people are because it's wrapped in something that's you know poorly acted or it has all these things you know this disjointed feeling you're talking about yeah I think that's where my discomfort comes from is that some of these movies like fucking hard ticket to Hawaii or whatever they're just like you know there's like a difference to me between movies that are just like cheesy b-movies where they just want it to be like sexy and with action and it's like low budget and like movies like this because this movie to me feels like very obviously not it's not even subtle you're like okay especially cuz you know it's been written, directed and starring this guy like you're like fuck like there's yeah. something here. So I feel uncomfortable laughing at that, you know what I mean? Even mm-hmm. even when something makes me so uncomfortable or awkward that it like laughing is the reaction. Yeah. I don't like that feeling. So when I was watching this movie, I was expecting it to be I guess more like goofy terrible based on what I've heard from everybody and based on how people talk about it. Right. But then I saw it and I was like first of all, based on some of the shit we've watched I do not think this is the worst thing. Oh, Far absolutely from
0: it. not. That's the first thing that came into my and, mind when I was and, watching it for the first time. I was just like, "Yeah, there's this is not like you guys think this is the worst movie of all." Yeah, time? we got some.
1: We got a fucking list for you.
0: Yeah, you think this is the worst? This is like fucking Picasso. Yeah, it was easy. I was somewhere.
1: able to focus on it. I didn't have to like do something else while I was watching it to distract myself like, from how horrible it was. I, I fully exposed myself to it, like a it, nerve.
0: It is a poorly written and and made film you know i i don't think there's any
1: argument against that but it is by no means the worst yeah and and i think it's even you know regardless of kind of what we know after seeing the second part of this you know after seeing the disaster artist what we know kind of went into it yeah there's also there is delegation you know like he did do all these things but clearly he they wanted to make make a hollywood movie so they got like a lighting guy and ATP they got yeah they got like, like all of these people who you know so you know those people no matter what they thought about what they were doing were still to some extent trying to do their job so like yeah if you think that this is the worst it gets it not even close you know what I mean in my opinion but yeah I don't know it was just like it had its moments but a lot of it just kind of made me uncomfortable because I couldn't shake that feeling that there was like this this truth you know, like a per, like it was like, it was a very personal film and it kind of takes me back to like almost being, being an artist or being like a visual artist, you know, like those same sort of fears and anxieties about, you know, doing something that you're sharing Mm -hmm. and people not liking it, you know, sort of like, uh, his, again, fuck, I keep going to the hidden gem. I'm trying to focus on the room, but like, I think part of it is just, I never really felt comfortable, you know, even, even today, even still, even with like, it's just, it's so tough. Cause you know, people do put their heart in it, you know, and people work on it. And there's like, there's something in it that it's sort of like, I, you know, I was raised to not laugh at people. You know what I mean? For right, but, like expressing but, themselves. But, but like, I think even you have to admit that, you know,
0: um, when someone's telling a story about a girl that they used to know that was abused by their boyfriend and the other person who's listening to this story, their reaction is to just like laugh laugh about it. Yeah. Like that in itself is laughable though. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, for sure. Right. And so there's like a bunch of bizarre choices made in this film that like, I think that any rational person would be like, this is funny, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's why there's all this mystique and all this, because like, it's very clear that Tommy Wiseau is not your average person, Mm -hmm. you know? And he he behaves in, in a manner outside of what most people would consider the norm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it all so fascinating. Like the movie yeah. itself is just like... It's, it's very meta because part of the reason you're fascinated by the room has nothing to do with the movie. Mm-hmm. It has more to do with just like... You're, the entire time you're questioning all these things. Like what is this movie? For the first... Half of the movie, I'm just like, what is this movie even about? Yeah,
1: there's there's four sex scenes. Like what? I, what
0: is like? What's the storyline? Mm-hmm. And then it didn't even matter. You're just like, what?
1: It's like an avant garde piece. Or I don't even know how to explain it. It's like performance yeah. art. I mean, I I don't know. I I actually personally, I I didn't find I was struggling to figure out what it was about. I did read the like little synopsis. Like the one cent synopsis explains it perfectly. It's like people were ex- are expecting it to be. It's super straightforward. It's like a guy who f- who does everything for this girl is devoted to her. And there's a bunch of weird tertiary characters, sure. But it was like clearly just like a stretched out, played out version of like, you know, a dramatic relationship where somebody right, right. cheats but and then like... The, they, so, it yes, it out. is. That's the, like, that's there's like, like nothing else to it.
0: That's the No, for, no. there are like hundreds of other things to it because, you know, the her mom has breast cancer, the yeah. like weird kid that this... Yeah, they're like son. You don't know (laughs) what their relationship is. He owes this guy money, but that doesn't even seem to matter anymore. Yeah. Right? They have friends who come over to their house to like have sex for some reason.
1: Yeah. No, I get it. I get that there's all these little things, but I just mean like, I I felt like the thrust of the movie was clear enough that those were just sort of these distractions. Sure. But like, I didn't feel like the movie was going to pursue them. See, I I
0: was like, where is this going? The entire time I'm like, where is this going to go? And then when it doesn't, you're like, oh, okay. Like, in hindsight I understand what the film's about and I could explain it certainly but like while I was watching it it was very confusing. Mm. Uh but not so so confusing that I did not want to keep watching. Mm. Like would you say that it's compelling? Yeah. Yeah, it's super compelling. Okay. Yeah. In in, in inexplicable ways, right? Yeah.
1: And I guess okay, here's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to I think that we should lead into the hidden gem and, and so then, then we can just discuss it all at we once. can just discuss it all at once but yeah. here's the lead-in for me is that what you touched on sort of the idea that there's a lot of bizarre stuff that's laughable right yeah but i get the feeling as with most things that what makes me uncomfortable about it is i feel like people i mean people are find everybody's different but i just couldn't help but feel that people are laughing at the wrong stuff and by that i just mean like when you see the Disaster Artist, which is the hidden gem, which yep. is basically about the the people behind this movie, it's about Tommy Wiseau, it's about the creation of this movie, The Room, from like Inception, it's almost, or Conception to the premiere. I mean, right? it's essentially a dramatized documentary. Yeah, um, but starring James Franco just, and um, Dave yeah, Franco. Dave Franco, thank you. Set, well, start, we'll get into that. Starring a lot of people. Yeah, but we saw it opening weekend, mm-hmm. right? And even the audience reaction to this film, which in my eyes is a serious film yes. that has comedic elements and touches on the bizarreness of the whole thing. as sort of another one of the sort of layered meta thing. Yeah. But where people were laughing to me made me uncomfortable again. Because like, it's sort of like that when you go, you know, there's sophisticated comedies and then there's sort of slapstick comedies and people just like, to me, people are laughing him yeah but okay here's here's the argument that I would make because I normally I would agree
0: with you in those situations because like this the the like sort of part of the thrust behind the disaster artist is humanizing Mm -hmm. the guy who made this film
1: and now you're kind of laughing at his follies in real life is Mm -hmm. what you're saying
0: right like the, the well, parts, the there's parts.
1: stuff where like I'd be like, this is like an odd person who's misunderstood, and he would do something that in the Disaster Artist to me wasn't funny, and like people in the crowd still think it's the room, and they're yeah,
0: like, yeah.
2: ah, it's but, so hilarious. Well, so and I'm like, this, this is like this is why, just a
1: d- real dude who's this is like why social
0: people. I mean, uh, have you ever been to one of those midnight screenings of uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show or something? No. Okay, well, I mean that's probably one of the most famous, or like Repo Man, or mm-hmm. one of those, right? where like certain cues happen in the movie Mm -hmm. and everyone will do something. Like everyone will stand up and throw popcorn or everyone will whatever. Like it's almost like watching the audience watch that movie is almost like a choreographed performance. Sure. Okay. And I feel like a lot of what was happening while we were watching the disaster artist is that same sort of choreographed performance where while they are attending midnight screenings of the room, you know, the character does a certain thing Mm -hmm. and they all laugh at that. Mm -hmm. And so, like, in... And it's almost like a trained thing, whereas when they were watching The Disaster Artist and, like, there was reference to them throwing around a football, Mm -hmm. which is something
1: very prevalent in the room, Mm -hmm. people were like, oh, that's funny because it's funny in the room. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. But I'm just saying that's what makes me uncomfortable about it. Like, when I went to this movie, knowing very little little about it, somehow... Like when we went to see the disaster artist, I did not expect that kind of crowd. I expected I expected the kind of crowd that like under, kind of grasped the difference. You know what I mean? Not just people that were clearly fans of The Room and were like, oh, it's a movie with like a bunch of comedic actors we like, doing a movie about The Room, it's gonna be great. And like even at the end of the movie, like through the whole thing, yeah, it felt like the people around me, like we laughed, but there were parts that to me were like clearly these actors that we know and love doing something that was intended to be comedic. And you could even laugh with the characters a little bit, but like we were surrounded by people that just found the like painful social awkwardness and like rejection and like all this horrible stuff. I know that like comedy comes from these things, but like they're just laughing at it. And it didn't, again, just like my feeling, my reaction was like, these people are not laughing because they're uncomfortable. Like they're laughing because they're like laughing at, this guy you know like the same way that like if there was somebody here's what it feels like to me and i'm not saying that tommy was oh is at all like it feels like to me when i was in public school in high school yeah people who were different people who were or, you know people who are autistic maybe somebody had down syndrome you know where i grew up you know maybe your you color your skin is different you know those people were like laughed at not necessarily you know part of it is due to discomfort you know you don't know how to react but like it was just mean so like, there's a meanness to this type of stuff, and I feel like people brush it off, but this is sort of when we, what I meant when I we watched both of these movies, like I watched both of them today, but it's, what makes me uncomfortable about this stuff is sometimes I can see like, oh, this is just like some greasy rich guy that wants to just make sexy movies, and they're like really terrible, like, right I get right, why right, that's right. funny, but there, I still feel like a lot of the stuff that people have exposed me to, or they're like, this is so bad, it's good, I'm like, Whether it's music, whether, you know, I'm just like, I feel bad because this clearly feels to me like somebody trying to do something. And we're just like, this is fucking awful. Like, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. It's in the same vein as people being like, that's fucking retarded. Like, I'm like watching the disaster Artist, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm learning about what went into this. And it, it is ridiculous. And like, but there's so much. There's so much there, like there's so much about people interacting and but people who are unable to interact on like right, but a level I, I we're think used to. Like it, it's well, weird. What, I,
0: what I'm saying is that like the people who are hardcore fans of the room are so used to laughing. No, I get at it. Yeah. those parts that when they come up in the film because it's it's impossible to, to like once you've seen them both, you, yeah. it's almost impossible to divorce one from the other. Yeah, that, like when it comes up in the Disaster Artist, you're like. Oh, that was funny before, so it's probably funny now, yeah. right? And they're not thinking about it. But okay, like, I'm with you. I'm yeah, totally, totally with you. I don't like, even,
1: and I don't even mean like in the scene in the Disaster Artist when they show them shooting a scene that you know from the room. Yeah. that people laugh at. Cheap, Cheep, Cheep, cheap, cheap, yeah. cheap, that I get what people are laughing at. But it's like, amazing. There's, there's that's where, amazing. That scene's amazing. There's scenes where like the him doing like the auditions aside, Tommy doing the auditions aside. Yeah, they're just scenes where he's speaking, and you can tell it's like somebody doing like a you know, a South Asian accent, people are just laughing because they think it's funny the way he talks. Like that, that's just what made me uncomfortable is I'm like, like to me, the humor lies in this sort of overall story. And like, you know, there is something kind of touching and endearing in like this, this bond that these people made and kind of coming around and like pouring themselves into this and it kind of dips down. It's like in Hot Rod, you know, when his, his stepbrother makes that video and everybody laughs at him. Yeah, And you know, it's like, it's like the cheesiest comedy ever but like there it is a heartfelt moment it touches on that like when you when you put something out into the world or you're passionate about something yeah and you maybe don't realize how other people see it but people just fucking make fun of you for it yeah so those elements of the story i find like very touching and it's on a scale that is ridiculous the amount of money this guy put into this project you know what i mean right. all all of the mystery like i totally get i get why people are fascinated by it but i just couldn't shake that like i just like fuck man but like this is like I think it stems from what you
0: were saying before about being uncomfortable even though it doesn't seem like it it's just hard for people to like how do I put this Tommy Wiseau is a guy who does not conform to our what we what we kind of have decided is like a societal standard for let's just say even reality mm-hmm. right where like it's kind of like know your limitations. And even if you're like, fuck it, I'm going to overcome my limitations. You still know where you're, um, where you might be lacking. You know, you might want to overcome that, but you still know, okay, this is a deficit for me. Mm -hmm. Whereas he's the kind of guy who, who doesn't even like, he's like, what are you talking about? This is totally normal. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's no deficit here. I, you know, me, Tom Cruise, same guy. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, not same guy, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Right, and I think that in itself makes people uncomfortable because someone who refuses to acknowledge that they, you know, have these failings or whatever—it's like kind of an awkward thing. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, I think there's an interesting balance that is shown much more in the Disaster Artist than you would understand from just watching the room or even like understanding all the cult stuff around the room. Well, the ending of the movie is like
0: phenomenal. When him. Disaster it, Artist. Yeah. When yeah. when him when both Franco's are in the theater lobby. I'm not going to ruin it for people Mm because I don't really want to, and they have that conversation. Mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. You know? But like, it's also harsh reality. The only way that you can, you know, move on is to accept this is how people are going to see
1: this thing. Totally. But I think the weird thing for me is like, kind of tied loosely into a nature versus nurture kind of thing. Like, that disconnect, I think it's sort of like, people can be pushed in a direction by the way they're treated. Like further, in f- like this sort of disconnect from reality, so to speak, you know, when people refuse to conform. Mm-hmm. I think like a reaction that, p- a very real common reaction that people have on on like a whole spectrum, sometimes it's not that aggressive, sometimes it's super aggressive. Is like when people are treated a certain way for behaving a certain way, their reaction isn't like even to the smallest thing is not usually to be like oh you're right i should change that about myself and we know so little about this man like in real life like right. nobody knows anything about him we don't know what experiences he's had that have made him who he is today right you know we don't know whether it's something that is just like a um you know i'm fucking i'm trying to think of the right the right phrase like some sort of conditioning or it's something that is just sort of experience has made him this way and he feels very strongly about these things you know he feels like it because there's so many examples of people who feel like outsiders or outcasts that do these things in spite of where they are you know like the the way they've been treated for like forces them into a position to create these works of art Right, right but it's not a mystery you can understand yeah exactly so i'm just saying in this case it is a mystery and it makes people uncomfortable but it's still just that sort of like There are moments where you're like, wow, he's behaving in a ridiculous way, but then you see how people are responding to him, you know what I mean? And you're kind of like, well, yeah, you know? Like, I don't know, It's I, I recommend both movies. I, in fact, recommend whether you've seen one, if you've just seen The Room, definitely see Disaster Artist. If you haven't seen either, watch both of them, in rapid succession even i would say yeah
0: we have to whenever it is at the blur cinema or that other cinema in the west end that we went to that one time mm-hmm. to see beguiling mm-hmm. whenever mm-hmm. whenever it is that they show beguiled the beguiled yeah uh, whenever it is that they show a double header that is the room and disaster artists we have to go see that
1: yeah like i i, I, I never, just challenge i challenge people to i challenge people who've seen the room and think that i'm just like talking some shit right now no like, no yeah no, just like i, I just I want I would be curious to see people treat these movies the way that we treated them because of our podcast, you know? Like I would be interested to see somebody watch The Room, okay? Look for things to like that aren't just this is a ridiculous movie that everybody likes to call movie it's so bad it's good. Like, you know, come at it from the perspective thinking that it was somebody actually making an effort to try to create something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then go and then see the disaster artist, right? And just like you know, I, I don't know. Because I feel like there is the reason the disaster artist is so amazing. And I think it's getting so much critical acclaim is because aside from just being like, you know, a kind of darkly funny, odd film festival circuit movie about this cult film, I think it really does do a good job of touching on a lot of the sort of everything that we're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just outsider art in general. And just people, you know, like social outcasts or people who feel for one reason or another. I, anyway, there's just so many fascinating things about it and uh, we haven't even really talked a lot about what the disaster artist is but the ca- it's insane. The cast is insane. The ca- Like it's absolutely crazy. Forget about the cast even. Just the, the
0: intro to the movie where it's just a bunch of actors yeah, talking about fucking, their experiences with yeah, the room. Adam Scott. It's amazing. Fu- yeah, oh, it's wicked.
1: Um, I can't
0: even remember. There was, there was a Kristen, one or two. It's
1: Kristen Bell, Adam Scott. But there were one or two people I was like, oh, oh what's his name? Um, uh, fucking Eastbound and Down, Danny McBride. Danny McBride. Yeah. Uh, and you all also you don't really know at that point. I, it took me a couple minutes to realize that's what they were doing. I didn't yeah. know if that was part of if they were characters in the movie or right. if it was just them playing themselves, just talking about the impact this movie had. And then the movie itself is like not so not only do you have James Franco and Dave Franco playing the lead roles, yeah, but you have Seth Rogen. You've got Jason Mancus, Hannibal Burris, Fucking like. Fucking who else? So many people: Nathan Fielder,
0: Jason is co-host on uh, on his Paul podcast, Scheer. Paul Shear.
1: Um, there's lots of there's uh, fucking man. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy though. It's like you're just watching it, and like each character: Judd is, Apatow, Judd Apatow's in it. Each uh, fucking Brian Cranston's in it as yeah. himself. Allison Brie,
0: even the acting teacher. What was her fuck? I, yeah. Anyway,
1: yeah. It's like you'll recognize everybody. Everybody yeah. plays a role that you would, especially the cast of the movie, like when they're filming the movie and like each character is revealed that you know from the movie, The Room. Yeah. And then you see who's playing that character. Oh, fucking the dude from Hunger Games
0: plays like their like son character.
1: Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. (laughs) And you're just like, I notice, I recognize everybody that's in this. Yeah. And I think for me, the comedy in this movie came from those people largely. It it was less, the, the story itself is is wild but like it was like that like jason manzoukas that just like they they did yeah. put in a couple clips that felt more like a traditional you know like apatel comedy or something like where they're in the screening and jason Mansukis is just like i don't like this yeah. like he not like i hate it like he was just so uncomfortable being there <laughs> yeah it's yeah. So, so good um uh, yeah. but yeah it's I, they're both and yeah. at, one thing i loved
0: is at the very end after the movie they show you a bunch of the shot for shot Uh, Oh yeah, things side by side, and it's so perfect. I gotta say, also, like I don't know that this movie would necessarily be nominated for like best acting Oscar or something. Mm -hmm. But James Franco's portrayal of uh, Tommy Wiseau Mm -hmm. is so eerie. Yeah. So eerie. Yeah. You know, it's just like seems right.
1: Yeah. You know. Well, somewhere in the in the last. Since his sort of breakout, you know, like I remember like love freaks and geeks loved all the early Apato stuff. Yeah. Somewhere between him. You know, I think people are still kind of. Undecided isn't the right word, but like, well, like I like James Franco, he's, but like he's, he does weird stuff and he has a bit of a pretentious vibe to him. and I think that's turned some people off. Exactly. But he's just sort of a parallel there almost like he I don't think he really gives a fuck. And no. I think that a lot of the stuff he does, I don't to me i guess it hasn't even the most pretentious thing doesn't feel pretentious it just is I feels like a guy that's just like who feels like he's just like yeah like i'm gonna go back to school i'm gonna study you know i'm but gonna it's not study like, all this stuff i'm gonna do paintings i'm gonna yeah, fucking. but it's not like his friends these... don't know
0: about it right like if, yeah. if you watch this is the end then oh, oh yeah like, oh, I, I i painted you a picture and he's in on the, he's <laughs> yeah.
1: clearly in on the joke about how, you know that's yeah, yeah. i think one of the big things a lot of these guys that people are like oh that guy you know like channing tatum is another example like there's a lot of people who I think are in on the joke, the joke being maybe how they've been typecast or how they appear to everybody. Yeah. You know, and how people react to that. And Can I like, also say that I just love Zach Efron. Oh yeah. Like, I fucking love <laughs> yeah. fucking
0: love Zach Ephron. Yeah. There's there's a
1: there's a there's a good handful of sort of stereotypically meat headed dudes yeah. that are in on the joke that is themselves and I think are just really smart funny people and they're fucking milking it they're using it to their advantage yeah zach efron for sure chang tatum even like the rock i think the rock he's like older but like his sort of his like it's not even a renaissance but you know what i mean like right now is like so hot right now and he's in all this stuff and like i feel like like when i watch ballers or something like he's just like fucking loving it like he's just got a great life you know like he's just like yeah yeah i know what people think about me i don't fucking care like i I know what's going on here, you yeah, know, yeah. and I'm going <laughs> to, so anyway, but great, ca- I don't know, it was, it was just good all around, I think, um, and it was also really interesting watching them back to back, and I think if you can, maybe even try to see disaster artists in, in theaters, just because that experience of seeing it with the, you with, know, an it's audience, like with an yeah. audience will will clarify things for you. You'll either laugh along with them, and you'll enjoy it in that, in that manner, or it will make you kind of think like, okay, like, fuck, like, what... You know, you'll see how other people, what parts other people are laughing at. That's really what did it for me is the parts that I was like, you know, in a movie that isn't like this, I don't know about you, but you know, you go see like, what's an example, like say Blade Runner, right? And, uh, it's like a sold out show, right? And, uh, like something crazy happens. Like somebody gets brutally killed. Like one of the examples is sort of like when love, spoiler alert for Blade Runner 2049, when love kills, uh. Robin Wright, Yeah. there's something darkly comedic about the sequence after, but like when she holds her head up and then just like drops her. It's like, to me, I don't think, to me when I watched that, it wasn't that it was funny. It's almost like a gasp chuckle, but just because it's showing you this sort of disconnect, like the disregard that she has for the sort of human life, right? Right, right. But when I saw that the second time, there's people in the theater that were like, <laughs> like they thought that was hilarious. And I was yeah. kind of like, you know, there's these cues. It's like, what, again, it's another meta thing. It's like watching this movie, which is about somebody who has dis- utter disregard for social cues yeah. and like the norm. But watching this movie with a group of people, for me, I felt like there's people that were missing cues that I felt very differently about. So right. it was sort of like... You know, it's like when you watch a series movie, somebody finds something funny where you're like, "That's not funny." And in this movie, there's a scene where Seth Rogen is explaining to him, like, "Yo, this part is not supposed to be funny, or at least that's not how I interpreted it." Yeah. Let's try a take where you don't laugh about like physical abuse, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he just keeps doing it, so it's like this weird layered. Like the audience to me was doing the same thing. Like they were just there's several moments of this movie that I think were meant to be a little bit more poignant and kind of showing you. Giving you some insight into who this person was, and people were just like, "Oh, this is fucking hilarious. This guy's an idiot," you know. And I'm yeah. just like, uh, "Make me uncomfortable that all these people are laughing at this point." But I gotta say, um, it's
0: probably worth noting that Tommy Wiseau fully endorses the disaster artist mm. and uh, endorses like, inter- joint interviews, right? James, James Fra- Fra- yeah, James Franco's portrayal of him, and it's it's funny. I was listening to an interview with the two of them, and at one point, he's Uh, They asked Tommy, like, well, you know, what did you have any qualms about the movie? And then James kind of steps in and he's like, you know, it's actually really funny. The first time he saw it, he was like, yeah, I liked it. It was like 99.9% perfect. And um, James is like, 99.9%. Like, what what was the 0.1%? Like, what did we miss? He's just like, yeah, in that first scene, the lighting wasn't that good. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And, uh and like then, they, they, then they make some joke, <laughs> then they make some joke like, but he, then I realized he was wearing his sunglasses. So it wasn't even the lighting, but like <laughs> the fact that like his only problem with the movie was, you know, something, yeah, something, something trivial, trivial instead of
1: like, like the f- yeah,
0: in not the way that he was portrayed or that the people in the movie were portrayed or whatever. And so it, that leads me to believe that this is so, a somewhat
1: accurate portrayal of of
0: how things kind of went down.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, such an interesting movie. It's very interesting. It's just a very... It's an interesting thing that's happened in film history. Like, the at the end of The Disaster Artist, and I didn't realize this because I am not part of the room cult, so I hadn't really, prior to this podcast, seen it. But, like, at the end when it's like, people still don't know how old he is. They don't know where he's from. They don't know where he made his vast amounts of wealth. He
0: he has what seems to be an
1: endless sum of money. Yeah, and like, I don't know if... There, I haven't done research. We're recording this basically right after seeing the, the disaster artists in theaters, so I haven't done research to see if people have actually... But like, it's that air of mystery is like unbelievable. Like, it seems unheard of that, you know, there are people you know that are really wealthy, and you, but you know, and there's probably lots of maybe shady stuff, you know, like you don't know the details, but you at least know... You get to a certain level; it's imp- it's like impossible to hide. You know, you know what I mean. Like it's, it's yeah, it's not it's impossible to hide. Well, and there's so in many it, so many people have touched it in this day and
0: age. And it's, yeah, and being a wealthy person, it's like
1: yeah, like maybe the majority of his wealth is spent trying to to mask it. I don't know. But
0: oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever seen. So I tried to while you were speaking look up some information on Tommy Buzo. Mm-hmm. Um, Your phone just turned off.
1: I just, bl- just got.
0: No. It says bricked. here very specifically uh, in Wikipedia this is the latest accepted revision reviewed on December 1st,
1: 2017. Okay. So, so a day before we recorded this episode. But
0: it's interesting because clearly there have been a lot of revisions okay. and some of them not accepted. Mm. So, like, who knows, right? American actor and filmmaker produced *The Room*, which has been described as many critics as one of the worst movies ever made, and gained cult film status. He also directed the two thousand four documentary *Homeless in America* and the two twenty fifteen sitcom *The Neighbors*.
1: Um, and then uh, he spent six million dollars on this on *The Room*. Yeah, of just his own money. Yeah. Oh, in-
0: interesting. So, there's a bit of history here. Wiseau supposedly gained the nickname the Birdman for his bird toys, which were only popular in Europe at the time. This led to him legally changing his name to Thomas Pierre w- Wiseau, mm-hmm. taking the French word for bird, bird. Yeah. and replacing the O with the W of his birth name. He also, has see-
1: that little bird on the dashboard of his car in the disaster artist. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: In various in- interviews, he has claimed to have lived in France a long time ago, asserted that he grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, and described having an entire family in Chalmette, uh, Louisiana. Interviews following the release of The Room gave his age, which would indicate he was born in 68 or 69, but the actor claims uh, in his 2013 uh, the actor Greg, uh, so I guess the guy who played whatever, <laughs> claims in his in his uh, 2013 memoir, The Disaster Artist, that his brother's girlfriend obtained copies of Wizzo's U.S. immigration papers and found that Wizzo was born much earlier than he claimed in an Eastern Bloc country in the 1950s. So hard. Uh, we can't Wait. even like get the names right because this it's is like... This is amazing. In 2016, uh, a documentary about the room called Room Full of Spoons, Rick Harper claims to have researched Wizzo's background and concluded that he was Polish and originally from... Posan, uh, he's revealed that he is originally from Europe in an interview in Jimmy Kimmel Live in 2017. So there's like all these like, oh, some this guy says this, this other guy says that, you know,
1: all this shit. It's so crazy, unreal. Well, it's a doozy, man. It's a doozy. It's uh, it's really something. It's really something. And the other, the final thing I would say about the disaster artist that makes this a really snake-eating-its-tail episode is that at the the end of the story, Tommy is essentially forced to, you gotta love it, his own creation. Yeah. In like a roundabout way, you know, to accept how people are reacting to it in a way other than what was intended. intended. But, but the idea that people have a strong reaction to it one way or
0: the other is mm-hmm. better than people disregarding it entirely mm-hmm uh, very
1: how do you feel about that I don't know like the idea in general of that practice
0: no but like just like feeling being like in that position and like would you would you take solace in the fact that people are enjoying it even if it wasn't
1: a, in a way that you intended them to enjoy it it's tough I mean, I think you almost have to, I think like with all, like music is a good example. There's some musicians who are very, you know, they come across as maybe assholes because they're very strict about the way that they want people to interact with their music after they've written it. You know, they still feel like ownership over it. Mm-hmm. Example might be like Jack White. Yeah. Um, incredibly talented, you know, but they have this sort of like, this is how this is meant to be enjoyed. Then on the other end of the spectrum you have somebody like Annie Clark, like Saint Vincent, who in many interviews has said basically as soon as she's recorded a music and released it, it's no longer hers. People will use it, they'll interpret it, they'll enjoy it on their own terms. Like that's like the sort of the beauty of art. And she kinda washes her hands of it in that, you know, you can't force people to like see you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's almost a similar thing. Like I I know, you know, if I'm doing art that's important to me, that I want people to see it a certain way. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, you know, I I like to think in certain instances, I have a sense of humor about myself and I can like, if somebody teases me about something or they, you know, it's so, it's so, it's a hard target to hit, I think. I would say that it's much rare that like, I would have, I would create something and somebody would get it the way that as intended, you know, like... It's not like I've had tons of art shows. Art shows are a good example, though, where, like, you know, if I'm at an opening, somebody will come up. Inevitably, there's people that come up to you to talk to you about the work, right? Yeah. And, like, I'd say it's, like, fucking one out of every fucking 25, 30 people are, like, you know, this is kind of how this made me feel. And I'm, like, oh, yeah, yeah. There's other people that are just, like, oh, this is, like, what I think, you know, and I'm just, Mm -hmm. like, okay. Like, it's valid because... That, you know, I'm able to remove myself from the equation in that instance, but it's, you know, I don't necessarily, it's, I think it's worth discussing. I don't think it's worth debating because it just turns into something else entirely, but um, that's just with my personal work. Obviously, we debate other people's work all the time. That's what we do with music and movies. That's what we do on the show. Well,
0: I think that when something becomes popular enough, and I I would put the room up there in, in this category, but it's music especially. Mm-hmm. When it becomes when an artist becomes popular enough, forget about a single album because mm-hmm. like the room is a, just a, m- a single movie, but when an artist becomes popular enough, I think that their music no longer belongs to them. Yeah. Uh, no, totally. And like I, yeah, I agree. You know, j- let's just say that you are a really big fan of I don't know, Blink-182. Mm. Right? Let's let's just like pick a really sort of generic but Encompassing example that most people can probably follow. So, like Blink One Eighty Two, you're a huge fan of them. Mm-hmm. You know, pop punk kings. Yeah. Okay. And then all of a sudden, they release a classical album, just mm-hmm. a classical music. Mm-hmm. Everyone flips their shit and is like, "Fuck you." Yeah. You know, you guys are shit now. I fucking hate this record. You know, fuck like whatever. Yeah. That's an example of, you know, their music isn't theirs. Right mm-hmm. now, it's all their music belongs to the fans Mm -hmm. and it's almost the fans kind of dictating this is what we want Mm -hmm. you know and it some artists can can kind of like fight against that like video games sure some artists can fight against that current and be successful but most of the time it does not
1: work out for you right like yeah you have to kind of i think i would argue for it to work you have to be the kind of artist that that's always been your thing where like from album to album there's enough difference and there's enough progression or experimentation that like you're known for okay this record is going to be very different okay I'm working with a different producer and this time I'm introducing percussion where my music didn't have that before okay this one's going to be acoustic okay this one I'm going to do more like you know in indie it happens a lot but in like those very genre specific bands it's so hard to do like even in pop punk and punk alone punk punk is like the it's the hardest people are relentless punk fans like against me fucking follow boy like eh, fucking my chemical romance my chemical romance after their first record you know three cheers for sweet revenge came out and i was like this is great this is like this is a great record and people were like it's fucking they went mainstream they went pop it's like dude yeah i mean i get it i like i'm agreeing with you i'm mm-hmm. just saying like yeah so i think You either have to not continue not giving a fuck or in the case of like Tommy's reaction at the premiere of his movie towards the end of the disaster artist is you need to like. I think it's partially a coping mechanism. You know, you have to make a choice. Like You have to come down on one side of the fence or the other. And Mm -hmm. I think it probably would have been very self-destructive had he not been able to see that side of it, you know, or he didn't have a friend to, to like lead him there. You right. Know what I mean, so it's very, it's very interesting. It's very fascinating. And I think it's still an ongoing evolving story. Like the, the, the talk show circuit, the fact that James Franco, who played him and like, you know, that he endorses this move. Like there's yeah. like, it's like, a, it's still a story that is being written. Like it's, cr- it's crazy yeah. that it's lived yeah. on to this extent. And like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, really something it's crazy yeah it is crazy
0: yeah but i mean i loved i love disaster artist like it's incredible yeah it's a
1: great movie it, i mean i feel like megan like, Mullally or, a, as the yeah yeah uh, the mom when she's just like baby face <laughs> yeah <laughs> what's her problem <laughs> uh, oh shit that's fine. or no she's crazy
0: <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God, it's so good though. Yeah, it's really it is really good. Yeah. Uh, man, yeah. Everyone should see this movie. I mean, you should probably see the room first for context.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. You should see the room first. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think it would still work if you saw this first and then the room? I don't know. That's hard for me to picture what that would look like. You wouldn't get any of the references at all. Yeah. It'd be like seeing like, um, not seeing apocalypse now. And fucking sorry, I'm brain farting.
0: Yeah, seeing the whatever Coppola, Coppola's wife's movie, *Heart of heart darkness. darkness*. Sorry, I didn't yeah. say that. Mike, isn't it *Heart of Darkness*? I heart? think so.
1: Fucking I, whatever. You don't get what I'm saying, though. Yeah. I'd be like, you, you know, if you, fuck, I don't even know. You know, the, I mean, you, there are certain things you could do it. You know, you could watch a documentary about without seeing the original event. Sure, but like yeah. this is like this. I mean, is, so this, you
0: look at uh this is a perfect parallel. You look at something called like best worst movie. We haven't checked it out. This is, uh, that's another episode that we're going to do. Troll two and best worst movie. Gotcha. Because troll two is again, regarded as one of these movies as being one of the worst movies of all time. Mm -hmm. And best worst movie is a documentary about the making of troll two, which, you know, in the title itself implies that it is, you know, one of the worst movies, but it's the best because it's so good. It's bad type thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And, a lot of people, this documentary won tons of awards and a lot of people, I'm sure, watched this documentary without seeing Troll 2 and it was fine. So I'm just, but I mean, this isn't a documentary that we're watching, obviously. Like, we're comparing this to a documentary, but it's not a documentary. It's a dramatization. Yeah. It could still be funny, but I feel like I would love to know, okay, if anyone out there sees the disaster artist before seeing the room, please, 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 please email me Yeah. and just tell me what your experience was like because yeah.
1: I, I have be you on the on another episode maybe I'm so curious I also begs the question if anybody out there has an example of a best worst thing because mm-hmm. because our show has not been about that we're trying to get people to submit ideas for things that are just the worst yeah that they didn't enjoy because they were bad just things that are bad yeah but like we've just given two examples troll two in the room or even faithful find you know there's all these examples of movies that are so bad they're good-hmm But it's interesting that it's, I feel like it's harder to find that in music or visual, a visual artist, you know, or a comic or, but like, I think the investment, as far as music is concerned, and uh, this
0: isn't so bad, it's good. It's almost like tragic at this point, but like the whole William Hung thing, you know what I'm talking about? No. The guy on like, uh, I think it was like, um, what's the American Idol or something. And he was like somewhat mentally ill and like people were like obsessed with him. Yeah it's like one
1: of those situations sure well yeah yes and no i yeah, just yeah. mean like it's interesting like we've had music re- you know or, people or, are like lulu it's like what, what people don't listen to that people don't listen wesley to- willis yeah wesley willis is a, is a good example but those are both examples of again that like miscue for me that's yeah, 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 yeah people, where I'm people like, are reading it the wrong way yeah and so like fuck i don't know it's weird man like th- you just i think maybe it's because of the way that you engage with media like it, you wouldn't continuously put on a record mm-hmm. that was so bad it was good you know you would yeah. hear music that's bad and you'd be you'd dismiss it almost out of hand let a, you know whereas there's like a social aspect i guess to to uh, to film maybe that makes it different i don't know like people expose themselves to it over and over again and they find it funny but like you know you can I can't really think of other creative outputs where that's something that happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. You don't go to the AGO to see an artist that is so terrible that people are like, "Oh, actually, it's kind of good." Yeah, yeah. Like that doesn't happen. Like there's there's way less wiggle room in in anything that isn't film when you really think about it. But mm-hmm. I put the ch- I'll challenge anybody out there that disagrees or has an example of something to fucking submit it, send it to us. You know, let us know what it is. It could be it could be anything, any music or Das anything. Racist. No, but Das Racist is good though. Kind of,
0: but in like an intentionally bad way. You think so? I don't know.
1: Well, I think there ha- there's one song just about being at Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Yeah, but I don't think like they also touch on a lot of I or mean, like you know what another prime example, but it's very much intentional as well.
0: Is like. Early cursive, especially, but almost all cursive, or like even bright eyes, like there's a lot of off-key,
1: off-time, weird
0: shit that happens in
1: that music that yeah. is uncomfortable. Yeah, but, but I don't mean this on purpose. Like, I know, but I don't mean from the creator perspective. I mean like if somebody oh, listens, somebody after listened, the fact, If somebody, yeah. the, I can't remember. Was it uh Decl- who recommended Lulu, or was it was it Sean, Sean or John, uh Jonathan. Uh, John. Yeah, I think it was John. John. Like, people aren't recommending that because they're like, yo, you listen to that uh, Lou Reed Metallic album? I fucking... It's so funny. I love listening to it. People are like, it's fucking it's, it's awful. It's a struggle, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right, right, That's definitely different than like early Deftones, early Cursive, or like a, brace, a music that is in a genre that is abrasive and there's like an energy and a cohesion to like the way that they... Right. You know, there's an order to the chaos sort of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, whatever. I don't want to like... Go th- you want to hear something crazy? Yes. This is like... Tell me something crazy. Blew my mind. Totally unrelated to
0: all this, but Das Racist. Mm-hmm. Do you know the documentary uh, the, Pro- the, the Problem with the Pooh?
1: No. What?
0: Oh, dude. Okay, that's in our next episode. Or it's got to be one of the next episodes. So this comedian, Harry Condabaloo, created this documentary called The Problem with the Pooh. And it's just about misrepresentation in general, but like specifically, that most people's, like most Western people's kind of experiences growing up, um, the only representation they had of a proper Indian, per- not even proper, of an Indian person was. Oh, I know what you're
1: talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: A-, a poo on The Simpsons. Yeah. Right? But, and the reason I bring it up is Harry Connablue, this comedian, his brother, is one of the dudes from Gas Racist.
1: Yeah. I remember uh, when I first saw an interview where um they were like a lot of people pronounce our name wrong and i was like what how do you split and they're like it was like that gif or like that video that like little black kid or whatever that goes that's racist Uh, it's supposed to be like a a sort of drawn out um but do you listen to have you listened to um uh you know riz ahmed riz mc and heems have that uh, sweatshop Boys or like any of Heems. Heems was from Das Racist yeah. and he is a fucking dope rapper, man. Like he's amazing. It's right, like he's no, like a like, like he, there's this one song that's like him and uh, your old Droog, um, who's another New York based rapper. It's incredible. I like, I listen to that song and I think it made me I did like a reverse little Dicky, like little Dicky. I was always just like, this guy's a fucking incredible rapper. That's also hilarious. Yeah, right. And then like the more I listened to his stuff and his album came out, I was like, still doing it. Like he, you could still really see it with Hemes, I was like, oh, this is a funny guy. Then I listen to this one song with him and like your old Droog, and for whatever reason, you know, just that how I was feeling in that moment, had my headphones on, I was like, fucking, these guys are bars like this is crazy right now and i went back and started like re-listening to all of this other and i was like oh shit this dude's fucking oh what's up
0: yeah there's no there's no denying that there's some skill there like all tan everything is like a fucking amazing but like it it it's intentionally funny and kind of bad on purpose
1: yeah well i think like with style yeah with him i think it's almost I'm talk, totally talking out of my ass because I haven't, like, watched or read interviews with him. I don't really know what he's about, but it strikes me as almost like Little Dicky's approach where it's, like, his way in to a, a culture where maybe he feels less welcome or there's, like, less representation. Mm-hmm. Is to, like, that's how he gets to... Because pe- nobody's going to yeah. take him seriously if he just, like, if somebody's like, oh, yeah, check out this fucking, you know, this guy from London who's, like, Pakistani or, like, a South Asian, you know, and he's fucking rapping about the same shit that these black guys are rapping about, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like you It might I head, mean, I would appreciate it regardless cuz that just that's just how I do, but it yeah. Can, I, it I kind I of feels it. like if the Lucas brothers were rappers, that's what Das
0: Racist would be. Anyway, yeah. uh recommendations for the week. Uh my recommendation is a documentary about somebody else who didn't get the recognition they deserve. And it is uh a documentary called Batman and Bill. About um, the unsung creator of Bill, uh, by the name of Bill Finger, who had a hand in not only creating uh, Batman, but he also helped create Robin, the Penguin, um, Scarecrow, bas- Catwoman, basically all- everyone who wasn't the Joker, essentially, and any sort of iconic figure in the Batman universe was partially created by Bill Finger, but. He got no credit. It was all Bob Kramer, whatever the guy's name is. Kane. Bob Kane, thank you, um, who took all the credit. And it wasn't until very recently uh, that Bob Finger was given the credit he deserved. But this documentary is about one man's quest. And it's so bizarre because this guy has nothing to do with anything. Like, it's, It opens with this kid going to the first uh, Comic-Con. And when he says the first Comic-Con, like the guy who made this movie when he was a kid, it was the first comic convention that comic professionals uh, a- attended. attended. It wasn't just fans. And he was walking through this smoky hotel bar. And they see some you know, famous artist or writer or something for a comic book. And they're like, oh, man, you're that guy. And the guy's like, yeah. Pull up a seat at the bar with me. What are you kids drinking? And they're like uh, Coke, you know. So they get a Coke, and the guy, you know, smoking a cigarette, is like, "Hey, you guys want to meet the creator of Batman?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, Bob Kane's here." And the guy's like, "No, no, no. It's this guy right here, Bill Finger. He created Batman." And like that moment stuck with this guy so much that his entire life's quest. And like, I, do, I do not exaggerate, to the mm. point where his kids who can barely speak know the name Bill Finger, and they don't know Bob Kane, really. I mean, they do know, probably like a curse word in that house or something. But like it, it had become this guy's life quest to give Bill Finger the credit that he deserved, and this documentary is about that. It's
1: amazing. It sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to recommend music, but it's, it's a, a single song. It's a new song by Aesop Rock, who uh, I'm a huge Aesop Rock fan. Aesop Rocky? Not Aesop Rocky, for those that might be confused. I'm talking about the lyricist who, on a, on a study of select, a large select group of MCs, modern modern MCs, was so far ahead of everybody else in terms of the, the breadth of his vocabulary, that He couldn't even be put on the same scale of the chart, the amount of words that are in, like, fucking average. I don't even remember how it was rated, but very, uh, very weird, weird hip-hop that's amazing. Anyway, he released a new song called Hot Dogs. The proceeds did go towards uh, a charity. I think it's over now. Uh, I was just trying to, like, figure out if that was the, yeah, it ended on November 23rd. Um, all the all, all the pre-orders of the vinyl and, and 100% of the proceeds went towards an organization called Grind for Life, which is like a skateboard related charity. Um, I mean check out grind for life just you know you don't need to buy the song to make a donation and see what they're all about. It's pretty pretty dope but uh, you know we'll probably we can maybe put the song at the end of this episode. I recommend that you go buy it regardless mm-hmm. it's just one song but fuck it's good. It's like it, it just peak. Aesop rock like you f- you listen to it initially and it's just like good rapping over like an interesting beat but it sounds like nonsense yeah but the more you listen to it the way that he like pieces together concepts and ideas and tells a story is amazing so yeah the song's called hot dogs um by Aesop rock if i can check it out check out grind for life
0: all right that's the episode guys we got a lot of options to pour over for next
1: week. I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll figure oh, it hey, out. Where are you going to hit us up? You can hit us up social media. Oh, yeah. Love it, love right. it pod. Love it pod.ca. Yeah. <laughs> no. 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 Not anymore. Uh, Buns, Buns not,
0: podcast. Network. Not, not, not.ca, but uh, <laughs> uh, you can go to podcast.buns.com to see us and all of the other podcasts on the Buns Podcast
1: Network. com. Fancy.
0: You can uh, hit us up on social media at Love It Pod on all the social medias. And email love us that Snapchat mailbag at loveitpod.com. Uh, yeah, on that Snapchat. If you want, I'll, I'll straight up snap you my dick right now. <laughs> Is that what you want? <laughs> no, it I'll. I'll, I'll uh, I only exclusively use our Snapchat. You gotta love it. I only exclusively use our Snapchat to snap out photos of the shits that I've just taken. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, if that's your bag, keeping in theme with the rest of the show, <laughs> follow us on Snapchat. You know, I'm waiting for that like. 4D experience where you can like <laughs> really that get smell in there. <laughs> Yeah, oh, That's God. a thing that they're doing. Yeah, I know. That's a real thing that they're trying to do in VR. It anyway, uh, until next time, guys. We're about Keep loving to it.
1: Re-enter to the level above human. I couldn't have had a better life than I've had these 21 years. And if it was good here, I know it's been twice as good when you get up there. This isn't a troubling circumstance. Don't take it as
2: just a, it's a gateway, just a doorway. What we're doing is we're going home. We're going home to those individuals who sent us here to do this task. And this is the happiest and joyous thing that you can... Dirty hot dog, water and popcorn butter. EPMD telling me every pop star a sucker. Don't let him smell the pot stickers, he'll stick around for supper. He'll stick around for cheesecake, then three days, then the summer. Where spiders eat their mothers, where rodents eat their young. I'm not here to make sense where there is none. That's dumb. My attitude is ghastly, any gallantry been going on I think I'm probably a lot like dating Molaram. I should work on that The geese are not a leader, I'm a loner Lover, believer, upholder of the under Just not a people person, please forgive me if I'm flustered I'll save a thousand whales before your grits are even buttered My name is Aesop Rock, I've been a mess for my entire life all I know is fight or flight What the fuck's a silent night? Who the fuck are you to tell me who the fuck you even are? This is more than band-aids over itsy-bitsy bleeding hearts This is GNR announcing Jesus Christ on lead guitar Finding Heather Hunter still inside your college VCR Mirror, mirror on a wall I feel like a fucking dog Something that's depraved is not a product of a loving God Periwinkle Pegasus throw rat infested lego bricks Hug his mother briefly then we're off to see the exorcist I will not be checking messages Why should I be? Special is as special does, you aren't special just because Yes your mother said you was, that's pretty much what mothers does Someday I might find a pluck to roam the earth with zero strings Cut the tether, float this feather over eastern seaboard winds forever. Like seaborne kings invested in the froth and fog. They'll talk of his adventuring and call him things like Salty Dog. He freed like a bajillion prisoners from some secret haunted vault. Always had a elder puff, never yelled, Get off my lawn. Full disclosure, I don't even have a lawn. If I did, I'd probably grow the grass until the house was gone Kick it till the town, forget the address or the house at all This is how performance, art exacerbates an albatross I should maybe shake some hands, I should turn the music down Have some people over without asking them to move a couch But since you're here, I've got the full full futon I could do without Should take like two seconds